0: So I just had one of my students increase her prices by 25% and she didn't lose any clients. And our goal was to actually have clients drop off. So it's just working through that fear. That was my learning lesson. My parents pretty much, they let me learn the hard way, which actually was the best thing that they could have done because learning the hard way really does, it wakes you up and you learn
1: happy friday everybody friday friday i hope you guys are ready for the weekend i hope you guys have had a great week so far uh, and you're really in for a treat for this new episode but before we get into that too much remember that you guys can follow me on daltonkjensen.com follow me on twitter at dalton k jensen and my book is coming out for those of you in the sales industry or if you're a small business owner or if you're a freelancer and you need to level up your game get more customers Uh, Make more money with the customers that you do have this book is for you. So go check it out That link will be in the description of this podcast Uh, and it's coming soon to my website. So uh, Stay tuned for that buckle up for that and without further ado, let me introduce Patricia Nowakowski She is the owner of opulent beauty salon. She's also a coach for the cosmetology and beauty industry we had an amazing conversation mostly about her story, and one of my favorite highlights was the Ruth's Chris mindset that she talked about. Having a premium mindset, being able to charge people what you're worth and not feel bad about it and deliver on that so that you get what you're worth and uh, and you deliver what you're worth as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. It was absolutely wonderful. This applies to everybody in any industry that you're in. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can learn something from this podcast. And if you love it, Please share it with your friends. Share it around. Send it to a few people. That's how we grow this thing. So with all that said, please welcome Patricia Noakowski. Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. Cool. We're rolling. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Patricia, I really appreciate um, I really appreciate you reaching out and us having this opportunity and uh, i I am grateful
0: I'm excited to be here
1: <laughs> absolutely cool so you now you own you own a salon uh, that you also you know you rent that out to independent uh, other cosmetologists uh, and then you have coaching on the side so uh, just tell us a little bit about like what you're doing right now and all the projects you' got going on.
0: So I have a commission salon and I also have salon suites that I rent out to independent stylists because that is the next step for most hairstylists. Um, I also have an education program where I teach business marketing and extensions along with social media to hairstylists to transform their business behind the chair to start working smarter, not harder. And I also coach for a company called Destroy the Hairdresser and their mission is to change our industry and get rid of all of the bad hairstylist practices that are happening inside of our industry.
1: Yeah, you know what? When, when you talk about like cosmetology and when you talk and all the avenues, you know, cosmetology, um specifically, you know, mostly has to do with hair, but then you kind of like branch out into all the other things that go along with like hair. So like, you know, aestheticians, um and you and then you get into like uh eyebrows and lashes and these things. And it's kind of crazy um how how much is going on in the space. Like people don't really like I didn't know this until you know I had prior experience with it that like it's kind of the wild west out there in some places. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
0: There's a lot of um, different services and things you can do inside of our industry, which is amazing because there is something for everybody. So you can find that one thing that you're super passionate about and really specialize in it and create an amazing business for yourself and create an amazing, um, um, just an amazing life because there's so much money that can be made inside of the beauty industry. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. (laughs) So it really is a great place for someone to kind of dabble in if they really do want to become an entrepreneur because there's so many opportunities for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some of like, you know, you mentioned, um, some of the the practices that you want to get rid of in the industry? What what are some of those? And like, especially since I, I love that this industry, um, I love talking about it. Like I'm not in it personally, right? But I love talking about it because it's a great way for anybody to get into to starting a business that some, that you don't have to do a lot of like, you don't have to do a lot of testing on. Like it's something that everybody, that everybody wants, right? They need their haircut. They want to look good. They want to look beautiful. Um, It helps, you know, people feel like they're doing good, right? Because they're helping other people feel beautiful. They're giving people confidence. Um, So it's a great industry to get into. But what are some of the things that you were talking about earlier that that you want to change or get rid of?
0: So with Destroy the Hairdresser, we really focus on destroying bad leadership. There are so many bad salon owners out there who really just wanted to open a business but didn't know how to truly lead people. So it really does result in a lot of toxic environments. And it really does um, destroy the business and the careers of a lot of people that want to join our industry. There's a lot of poverty consciousness inside of our industry where people don't feel worthy or um, don't feel capable of charging their worth and what they should for what they're doing. So a lot of hairstylists do not charge what they're supposed to and they end up living in like poverty level, like they end up earning poverty level incomes. So that's something that we really focus on. We also focus on incorporating emotional intelligence inside of being a business owner because running a business based on your emotions creates a not so great outcome. So being able to teach people how to emotionally um, control their emotions and to run their business on logic instead of reactively is something that we really focus on.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that. Uh specifically, I guess I kind of want to go back to the to the first question, right? Like giving salon owners confidence, right? And 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 teaching them how to run a business. Cause funny enough, like my wife went to cosmetol did a cosmetology uh school. And yeah, you're right. Like they don't really teach the business side of things. They make sure you get your license and hair. Uh, and and really that's with anything, right? Like school does the same thing or or any kind of trade, you know, they show it. To you, but then there's they're missing like the business side of it. So, how do you go about teaching like the confidence and the and the entrepreneurship side of like owning a salon and then the cosmetology. School?
0: So I think a lot of salon owners are lacking systems inside of their business, and systems allow you to create consistent results. And when you are uh, like, um, when you are able to duplicate the results inside of your business, it creates a better outcome, and it creates an atmosphere that you don't need to micromanage. Um, also, when it comes to being a salon owner, I think a lot of salon owners run their business on emotion, so they will emotionally hold on. To to people that are not right for their business and they emotionally run their business and make financial decisions out of fear. Um, They make, uh, you know, hiring decisions out of fear. So there's a lot of things that happen inside of our industry that kind of create um, just an overall toxic environment. So when you can um, incorporate these systems and incorporate mindset shifts, um, incorporate personal responsibility, which is huge. I think a lot of people are in our industry lack personal responsibility. It really does allow these salon owners to transform their businesses into not so profitable into businesses that run themselves and that are actually lucrative.
1: Yeah. I like, I like that, you know, and, and they're all so important. So how do you, I mean, you mentioned that, uh, they they get involved with people who aren't right for their businesses. And I'm assuming that you, you meant maybe partners or something like that. But do you also, I mean, do you also go over like customers that might not be right for your business?
0: Um, yes so <laughs> when we hire stylists inside of our business the sty- the stylists essentially are the ones that are generating revenue right. most salons um, they're commission based so when your top earner is creating a um, toxic environment if they're not following rules a lot of salon owners will want to hold on to them in fear because they're afraid yeah. to lose that revenue yeah. um, also there's a lot of um, abusive behavior from clients there is clients oh, can be very abusive. And a lot of salon owners will allow the abusive behavior inside of their space, um, abusive behavior that is geared towards their employees, um, their stylists, staff members, because they want to take that revenue inside of their business. So, creating boundaries inside of your business um, with your staff and with customers is another thing that we really focus on because boundaries allow you to have a very clear cut understanding of what is allowed and what isn't allowed.
1: Absolutely, and I like that you brought that up because I'm a big advocate of that like I've been uh in sales my whole career, and it took me a long time and a lot of money to learn that lesson that some people just aren't worth you know what i mean like they're they're not worth dealing with you know what i mean you're gonna're you're, it's not worth the brain damage right there's more than just like the revenue that it gets that's brought in um and that ties into like my second question, which is how do you teach somebody to charge what they're worth.
2: Hey, how you doing there? I just wanted to take a quick second and introduce myself. My name is Dre Raka. That's D-R-E-R-A-W-K-A. Yes, that is my legal first and last name. Don't at me. And I wanted to welcome you to my podcast, two of them. I have The Unrestricted Show with me, Dre Raka, and that's where I get to sit down with some of my friends and we chat about life. We chat about new businesses, just everything with me and my homies. And then I also have my other podcast called The Isolation 20 Podcast, where it is mostly just me. and we. talk about different things from sports to uh, movies and of course the are you dumb moment where I give somebody 15 seconds of fame for being completely dumb and you know I sprinkle in some pranks in there we have a lot of fun on that podcast so definitely come on over and uh, give me a listen give me a a try trial version if you will allrock.com is where you can find me that's a-l-l-r-a-w-k.com and I hope you have the day you deserve
0: Well, there is a lot of mindset work that has to go behind that. So there's a lot of fear and it's pushing through that fear and getting to the other side. So for us, we work on a lot of price increases. And when I say price increases, most salons and stylists will only increase their prices between five and ten dollars. Uh And they'll do that maybe like every two years. Like this is something that's very common inside of our business because they're afraid to upset their clients and they're afraid to lose clients for us inside of what we're doing at destroy the hairdresser. We increase prices anywhere from 25% to a hundred percent. So we get Uh our students to double their prices. And once we push them to actually implement and, um, Actually, get through that pain and send out the email. And then they realize that they don't lose as many clients as they think. So, I just had one of my students increase her prices by 25%, and she didn't lose any clients. And our goal was to actually have clients drop off. So, mm. it's just working through that fear. And it's actually like working through um, understanding why you aren't comfortable, like what is the um, the actual like fear and thought process behind it, so you can kind of break it down and almost debunk these stories that these stylists tell themselves on why they can't charge what they should.
1: Yeah, isn't that funny though? How uh, the fears and the stories that we tell ourselves about why something isn't possible uh, mm-hmm. just trips you up, and and they're not real. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they're they're not real. So it's funny. Do you see a trend? Do you see people um, having the same fears and or the same thoughts when you when you go to like price increase?
0: Oh, yeah, there's a there's a very um, common thread of reasons. Um, They don't feel like their work is good enough that you can't charge those prices in my area. Um, Other salons are only charging this. So I have to charge this. It's a very, very common, um, like there's common things that are said all the time. And in reality, like we need to do what's best for our business. We need to look at numbers and break down our numbers. A lot of salon owners aren't looking at numbers either. So they're charging what they are charging because the salon next door is charging that when in reality, their overhead could be higher, their product costs could be higher. So when you actually break down the numbers and show them that they're bleeding out, um, I think that's another eye opener too. But um, working through those fears, you can charge whatever you want if your clients are willing to pay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what's up. I liked it, but it's true. And you know what I've learned um, working with small businesses and in sales and things like this is Low prices can actually hurt you more than high prices, right? Because you know, if a price is too low, it can almost be like what's wrong with it. Yeah. You, know, you get into like this, this, well, okay, are they, are, you know, because they do reflect um in a sense, sometimes what's going on behind the scenes, right? Like if you believe that, you're gonna charge that. And that's the that's the message that you're sending to clients. You know what I mean? Is like this. Not, not cheap, but you know what I mean? It, it's like that it, you get what you put out, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's like Walmart or Louis Vuitton. Like <laughs> I wouldn't buy a purse at Walmart because sure. I know it's low price, which means the quality probably isn't great. Yeah. Now, if I go to Louis Vuitton and I'm spending a thousand dollars on a purse, like I expect the best quality and I'm probably going to experience that as well. Yeah. So, um, I know personally for me, like my hair is really important to me. Like, I would never go to a salon that charged $50 for a haircut. I would probably, <laughs> the lowest I would probably go, and I know this may be crazy, crazy for some people, but I would look for a salon that charged probably $150 because yeah. I want to know that I'm getting an amazing haircut. And I know that I might not get an amazing haircut for
1: $50. Yeah, isn't that true? But yeah, that's the process. And and it's funny because, like, I don't think that's crazy because you want to know, like, that that you're getting what you're paying for. You know what I mean, and there is, there is a, a point of when you're when you're talking about pricing products and services. There is a point where it's like, um, this this is good for me. It's good for you, and then you, and then you weed out. I mean, that's a great way also to weed out some of the abusive customers mm-hmm. and and people you don't want to deal with. Like if right, like that's great, dude. It, it also it also makes it you know you 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 prices put you in the market you want to be in. You know, do you want Louis Vuitton customers? You want Walmart customers. Right. I don't want, I don't want Walmart customers, man. You know, I want Louis Vuitton customers.
0: And I think there's a stigma too, um, Mm. for people outside of our industry, there is a lot of backlash from people Mm. who think that hairstylists shouldn't make money.
1: Why why is that? That's crazy to me. Because like, I mean, I know I don't I don't I don't don't have hair, I know I don't have hair, but I know that, I know that, people who do hair and they, and they're in the beauty industry, that's a very fulfilling industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Like and we make just, people feel good. Yeah. yeah.
1: What, I mean, how do you put a price on the confidence yeah. that you give people? Like that changes everything. You know what it I mean? It really
0: does. Yeah. yeah it changes so it's, everything.
1: It's a beautiful, I mean, beautiful. Yeah. But it's a beautiful industry. It's a great thing to be in and, and to be involved with. And what I love about it is you give people, like when you do this coaching and when you offer these, these programs. Like you're you're giving people independence as well. You're giving, you know. I know that I know that the beauty industry is a majority, uh, you know, wo- woman industry. Um, mm-hmm. Although there are there are some men in there, and that's great. But I know majority is women, and it's a and it's a wonderful thing to be able to give another woman that confidence and that independence that like she can make it and she can be a badass and she can you know earn her own money and do do whatever she wants. You know what I mean?
0: That's the reason why I opened my salon was wow. to give the people that work for me financial independence. Yeah. Um, growing up, my mom was never financially independent. And um, I saw how that really affected us as, you know, she was a single mom um, and how it affected her. So it was my mission to create a space where women can come and actually um, make a living and be able to take care of themselves. That was my purpose behind why I opened my salon.
1: Wow. And and how how long have you been in this industry? So I've been in
0: the industry for twenty years, um, and awesome. I've had my salon for eight.
1: Okay, and and yeah. uh, so tell us the story because that's what I love the most. Uh, tell us the story about um why you went from w- what you were doing before the salon to what were you doing before the salon? Were you just were you just cutting hair in, in a?
0: So or, or, I. I worked for another commission salon for 10 years. Okay. And I was there for a long time. And I just knew that I had no more opportunity for growth. And I had a clear vision and a passion for the experience I wanted my clients to have when they were sitting in my chair. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of held hostage to the salon's. Um, rules. Like we were only given 30 minutes for most services, which you can't provide a great service in 30 minutes because he was only focused on the amount of clients that we could get in instead of charging the price that we could and focus on the experience. So I knew I wanted to shift that part of the business that was happening for me. Yeah. So Yeah, so I left and I rented a chair for a couple of years because I really kind of wanted to figure out like the business aspect. And then after that, I ended up opening my salon.
1: That's great. So what? So you that was that was the kind of the catalyst was working in a salon and realizing that you couldn't give the value that you wanted to give to the to your clients. Um, and what was learning the business side like for you? Did, was there anything that like really surprised you? Um,
0: yeah. So there's so much that surprised me. There's so much that goes into running a salon. There's marketing, there's managing our clients, there's product orders, taxes, sales tax, um, you know, really scheduling things so that things are efficient, obviously booking appointments. I mean, there's so many tiny details that go into it. It was a lot of work. And I wasn't yeah. expecting it to be that much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, I know. That's always the, that's always a surprise though. I, I mean, it happened to me, you know, and it happens to a lot. Of, I mean, it happens to a lot of people it, where you get in, you're like, I want to do this. And then you're like, man, this is tough. Uh, there's so many, um, you know, stepping stones and and roadblocks that can come up, but how do you, how did you deal with that? And then how did you, how do you teach your, you know, your, your clients to, you know, overcome these obstacles that they'll inevitably find in business?
0: So when I first opened my business, I didn't think that people could do things as good as me. So I wanted to do everything inside of my business, which is my ego. And it was so stupid. Um, So I learned that the best way to really run a business is find people who can do things better than you and hire them and delegate things out and really just (laughs) focus on the things that make your business money that you can do. Um, Because you can't be good at everything. And when you can really focus and hone in on the value that you bring personally to your business, that's when your business is going to thrive. And when you find the people that are better at things than you, and you have all of these people working on your business with you, it grows your business at a rapid rate, way faster than you can do by yourself. Um, and you know, just really putting, like I said, putting systems in place, having a system for everything. Yeah. And, because, and
1: pro- yeah, go ahead.
0: Because you don't want to rely on people. You want to rely on systems because when someone leaves your business and you're relying on that person, then you're screwed. Whereas if you have a system, then when somebody new comes in, they can take over and it's smooth sailing.
1: Yeah. And you just don't skip a beat. You just go, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. That, that is dangerous. You know, you know, giving all the power to To one or two people, Um, yeah, and that's—I mean—that's a perfect way to run a business. Is just by systems. Like you know, we stick to the system. Um, It doesn't matter if you do it or you know, you know what I mean. Like you're 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 selective with who you hire, but but once you have the the person right, it doesn't matter if it's this right person or that right person. You just keep going, right? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Let me ask you this, because you deal with a lot of you know, you have your own salon, you deal with a lot of owners. Um, What do you think is the most um, what aspect do you think people overthink the most? Like what do they overthink the most?
0: Oh my gosh. That's a good question. Um, I think people, um, oh my
1: gosh, overthink,
0: <laughs> you know, I think they honestly overthink everything and
1: it's <laughs> a great answer so, though. Like, yeah.
0: Every little detail. And that's why it's so hard to choose which one is best you know, they overthink the client experience. They overthink the products they're going to use. They overthink like what their logo is going to look like. They really (laughs) do overthink every little thing. And Mm -hmm. what really matters is knowing how to make things simple because the simpler they are, the more like you can focus on what really makes you happy. Um, not people, you know, not everyone's going to come to you because you use a certain product line not everyone's going to come to you because you have the biggest and best salon. They really come to you because they connect with you. And I think creating a connection and building trust through your marketing is the best way to build your business. And then all of the other things are just like little extras. But I think building trust and connection with people that are sitting in your chair is the most important part of your business.
1: Yeah, everything else, everything else, you know, you can learn and teach, but... But not overthinking the client experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, that's great though. I mean, and it's so crazy how I mean that's and that's the perfect answer, by the way. I, I love it because it really is, that's what matters, is not overthinking the customer, because that's what that's who they're there for. You know what I mean? And and then everything else should be focused on on that. So um, so what do you think? I mean, w- sorry, let me ask this question first. Uh what what do you teach those salon owners? I, I mean you teach them the, the systems, you teach them the processes, um, and then you go through mindset, but I guess I guess my question is how is that how is that implemented?
0: So I think it really starts with making the mindset uh shifts first, so like that's the most important part. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know how to properly lead your team, you are not going to keep them. And Mm -hmm. without a team of stylists, then your salon cannot be profitable. Mm -hmm. So making those shifts, and it really is explaining things to my students in a way that there's almost like a light bulb moment. And once that light bulb moment happens, it's immediate, it's an immediate shift in what they do. So we really do like we focus on reactivity and a lot of salon owners don't even know what reactivity is and they're running their whole life on reactive moments. So that's essentially running your life on autopilot. So when like something happens, like it's okay. So a situation happens, it sparks an emotion, that emotion triggers a response yeah. And essentially your emotion is what is creating your response instead of actually pausing and really putting some thought behind what you're doing. So when you can identify your reactivity and understand that it's just a moment that you should not be making a decision on, um, it allows them to start really processing what they're doing inside of their business and immediately making changes because now they're identifying this behavior and they're like, shit. Once I see it, I can't not, I can't unsee it. Like it's going to be there. So it just immediately, it's like, it's like a light bulb. It just happens.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I I love that you said like reactivity because it's, that can hurt us, right? Like that can, that can really be a hindrance in our business with, with seeing something and, you know, and going off, you know, getting really making decisions if you're really angry and you know, what's crazy, like making decisions. If you're really like happy, if you're in a really good mood, like that can, you mm-hmm. know, that doesn't always mean you're going to make the right decision yeah. either, right? So just, yeah. You
0: know, yeah, and even the way we treat people inside of our business, like how mm-hmm. often do people mess things up and we immediately respond with anger,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? So that yeah. really, um, it deflates the way that people feel inside of our business. And I think that's important um, is how we make people feel inside of our business, not necessarily like, you know, how we do things. It's how do, we, how do you make your staff feel?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And that's a, and that's a great point. Um, what are some of the the systems that you teach to your, to your students on how to overcome reactivity?
0: So when we're talking about reactivity, one, you have to identify which is your primary reactive response. So there's fight, flight, or frights okay. and fight Ooh, fright. is pretty. Yeah. Uh, fight okay. is pretty explanatory. Like it's just, yeah. you know, You know, you are very um, combative. Uh Um, Flight is you like to run away from your problems and Uh you don't face things. So there's a lot of leaders who will just let things build up. They don't want to have any confrontation with their staff members. So they avoid like conversations when they're not doing things correctly. And then you have fright. And those are the people who just freeze and don't take any action. Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's (laughs) they just freeze up. They Yeah.
0: So you have to you have to do the opposite of what your reactivity is telling you to find fulfillment inside of your business and to create fulfillment Mm. inside of your business.
1: What do you mean by do the opposite?
0: So if you are a fight response, then obviously pausing and taking a moment to step away before you can um, respond to what's happening until Mm. you can have a clear head and you can respond in a very calm manner. Mm-hmm. So flights like to run away from their problems. So the opposite would be facing the problem oh, and yeah. Yeah. actually dealing with it in the moment. And right. frights want to freeze. And that yeah. would actually also be taking action.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's great, though. I- I've never thought of it like that. Like, how do you overcome these things and, and just do the opposite? <laughs> Excuse me, because uh, that's a big, d- yeah, that's a great way. That's a great, simple way to do that. I love, I love simplicity. You know, I don't, and that's why I like that that overthink or overcomplicate question, because it's like, it's really not as hard as you think it is. You know, we just need to like, you know, do the opposite, right? Deal with it. Take some time to, to collect your thoughts and, and handle it appropriately. Like, that's not crazy, right? It's not anything crazy.
0: It's really simple. <laughs>
1: that, yeah. That's fantastic. So
0: simple but so difficult.
1: <laughs> isn't it? Right? That's the paradox of of solving problems. It's so it's so simple that it's impossible. Right. And uh and do you find that you get a lot of uh I guess I guess let me rephrase the question. What when you you know w- when you present these ideas, right? When you present mindset, when you present um you know, the, the fright or, or flight or, or, or fight. Right. What what are some of the responses you get there? Like what are some of the common things that you run into?
0: Oh, I'm not reactive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't do that. I'm like, everyone is reactive. It's a part of your brain. You know, it just, it, it's, it is, it's a part of your brain. Every single yeah. human has it. It's, it's a defense response that is literally embedded. It's embedded in our brain. Like everyone yeah. has a reactive system. So I think yeah. a lot of people deny. Um, some people have amazing aha moments, and some people just like get, they disappear. <laughs> so <laughs> they they, they will they, they won't like <laughs> they just leave because they don't yeah. want to deal with it because it's very hard. So yeah, there's lots very of different things way to do that. But the students yeah. that stay, um, they have amazing transformations.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you'd, you'd have to. It's inevitable, right? Like mm-hmm. when you start doing. I know, I know, again, so simple that it's, that it's impossible. It's like, if you just start doing these things, you're, you're going to see results, you know, mm-hmm. you just have to keep, keep going, keep, keep working, keep, keep moving. Um, and, and that's great. So tell, tell me a little bit more about how, how you got started just in the beauty industry in general. I know we talked a little bit about it, but I'd love for you to kind of dig, you know, give us a little more about your story and. And take us back to, to when this all started and how you learned these things and, and what made you do it.
0: So I graduated high school and I tried community college for a little bit and it just was not for me. I was either okay. gonna be um, a high school art teacher because I love um, being creative or I was going to be a hairstylist. So my family's like, you need to go to college. Like you should go to college. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'll try college. Um, and it just wasn't for me. I didn't yeah. like it. I have um like a severe ADD.
1: <laughs> me too. So like trying like me to pay too.
0: attention and do what I needed to do um in college just didn't work for me. So my aunt was a hairstylist and I was like, okay, well I'm just gonna go to beauty school. And that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. And it was the <laughs> best thing I best decision I could have ever made.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, cl- I mean, clearly you're killing it. You're crushing it. So thank you. <laughs> so that's great. Um Was it hard for you to, was it, was it hard for you to realize that community college wasn't for you or was that a pretty easy, like, ah, you know what? I, I tried it. I gave it a shot. I'm out.
0: Um, no, I was sleeping in class because it was so boring literally my teacher was like you know you really should drop my class like you just fall asleep he was so boring like literally he was so boring (laughs) no matter how much coffee caffeine i consumed i could not stay awake in his class so i was just like i i I knew it wasn't for me like i just wasn't into it i wasn't i wasn't feeling it so i i knew (laughs) i knew i didn't want to go in the first place i think i just kind of went to just make my my parents happy
1: your parents, how did they feel about that when you decided that, you know, like I I can't do this?
0: Um, well, I had to pay the rest of my tuition for that year. So that was my lesson. Um, they're like, well, you have to pay for this now. And I did, I paid it off. It was, you know, it was community college. I think it was like a couple thousand dollars. It wasn't that
1: much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, so that was my learning lesson. My parents pretty much, they, let me learn the hard way, which actually was the best thing that they could have done because learning the hard way really does, it wakes you up and you learn.
1: Yeah. It's it's the only, it's the only way, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, honestly, you know, my mom never went to school. My dad didn't go to college. So I think it was just something that they really wanted for their kids. Yeah. Um, so when I told them I was going to beauty school, <laughs> um, I really didn't get the best response because I think that was like, I mean, twenty years ago, it was like where like the college dropouts went to like do something. Um, yeah. So there was that stigma behind it. But I think after I um, graduated and I started working, and they saw that I was actually making money, um, I don't think they really cared after that. And I was happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're happy. You're making money. I, I. It's so crazy to me. Like, um, are you? Did did your parents grow up in the Midwest? By the way. Yes, they, they did. Are they both from the Midwest? Chicago I,
0: born and raised.
1: There you go. All right, cool. Because I, I've, so I grew up in the Midwest too. And it's just that, that, you know, I think, I think it's like parents really want the best for you, but I think growing up in the Midwest, they they just see like, you know, you, all this potential and they, they get caught up because my parents, and I'm just speaking from my experience, but, you know, it was like college was like the only way to like get out, you know, mhm. Because um, if you didn't go to college, where, what were you going to do? And it's like, I wish we would have had more of that, like cosmetology, like introduction to trades. So, like, you know, cosmetology, barber school, plumbing, electricity, whatever, right? Like, those guys, I mean, they're not a joke. They make a lot of money.
0: They make a killing. Yeah.
1: yeah like, cosmetologists, cosmetologists, and barbers and estheticians, they, you know, I see some of those. I, you know, the, the I worked with a school um, up here. Uh, and I helped their sales team. So sell like the, I I helped them with coaching and help them sell, um, and help them with closing and things like that. Um, and man, I walked into that, that beauty school and I was like, holy crap, you guys are killing. And I'm like, and these weren't like small ticket things. You know, I'm I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, we're going to sell a course for a couple hundred bucks. No, mm -mm, we weren't, they weren't playing. And I was like, this is really cool. This is yeah. really cool to see like what you can do with this and what you can give people. So I have nothing but respect for like the trades, especially the beauty industry. It's a, it's a crazy, awesome thing. It's, I wish, am- I it's
0: we, amazing.
1: I wish we would have had more. Like I- I'm serious. Like I wish we would have had more I- and which raises a question, right? Um, like, why don't you think we had more of that?
0: Um, I, I think that our society pushes people into going to college because it is a great way for people to make money (laughs) as in like the schools and stuff for real. Um, and I couldn't agree. And I think, um, you know, the, the lack of tradesmen and the lack of these, um, you know, professions that are really needed, and the people and jobs that are available, um, and that are open is a sure sign that like, you know, I don't know <laughs> that maybe like that wasn't the right decision. Cause there is a lack of plumbers. There's a lack of handyman. There's a lack of, you know, electricians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are, those are really, really important jobs. Um, and honestly, I think there is like a sense of, um, like being special when you have a degree. Like there's <laughs> almost like a um persona that's built around like what you do. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why too.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like I, I got my degree and then realized like very quickly that it, you know, first of all, it wasn't like like you don't really learn a whole a whole lot. I, I'm just gonna be like I went through my degree and I was like, I learned enough to to have an intelligent conversation, but like there's a reason why you go from college to entry level because you don't mm-hmm. know anything you know yeah you know you you don't really know what what happens and how it's applied in real life uh so i so that was a big shock for me, and I was like, yeah, but then and then I got into sales, which you don't need a degree for uh and unfortunately had to i mean fortunately and unfortunately I, I made enough money to pay off my degree but <laughs> But now it just collects dust on the shelf because I'm like, I realize I can make more money doing something else. You know, I, I
0: mean? know that's <laughs> the thing. Like I charge one hundred and fifty dollars an hour to do somebody's hair. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I can't even believe that I charge <laughs> that. But I mean, people are paying it. And that's just yeah. what my time is worth when I'm standing behind the chair. If I'm going to be stepping away from things that I really need to do to grow my business. Yeah. Um, and people like who spent four years, six years getting their degrees. <laughs> You know, they have all of this college debt and they're paying it off and they're working jobs that aren't really even paying what they thought that they were going to make.
1: Yeah, they're not paying what what the price of the degree told them it they should be worth. You know, mm-hmm. you spent you 50 grand on, on a on a like, let's like, let's say, you know, you charge $50,000 for one of your courses. I mean, that that would be a hard sell if you were like the colleges right now, people would
0: want results. Yeah, they they would, would demand results for yeah, that. They'd much. be like,
1: Hey, I better be making a hundred grand right. or something you know, or my money back. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, bon- it's bonkers, but you're totally right. Um, You know, you, you, you can wait and, and to put $150 an hour into perspective, like that's, that's on call call, like ER doctor status. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, that's like, you know, which is great. Like, and I think you should. And I think it's like more, more power to you to run it, dude. As long as the check doesn't bounce, let's go. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's great. So for you, so for you, like, is that, is that what you do? Cause that, well, like when I hear, you know, you charge $150 an hour, when you tell your students that who you're teaching, um, because obviously, obviously your clients pay it. Obviously yeah. you have no problem getting, getting clients. When you tell your students that, what do they say?
0: Um, sometimes you get, um, the, like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. That's so amazing. Like, I can't wait to get there. And then you have other people who are just like the ones with the mental blocks that are like, oh, that's such a rip off. I can charge less and do the same thing. So there's a lot of different responses, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it depends on the person and their, um, like their mindset.
1: So, and I'm, what do you say to people who say that? Like, I can do the same thing for less. Like what? In my head, that irritates me, but I want to hear what you think. You know what I mean? It's like, so?
0: Then go for it. (laughs) Then go for it. If you want to charge less, by all means, I mean, you're only hurting the entire industry when you are undercharging. You're hurting every single person inside of the industry. When we all elevate and we all um, expand and we all like grow and charge more, then we're setting the example and we are setting the standard. Yeah. So when everyone gets on board and we can set a higher standard, it's better for everybody.
1: Right, right. No, that's a great point. And, I, and I'm just, you know, I hear that because I, I, I've i been in those situations where it's like, that's ridiculous. I can do the same f- thing for cheaper. And I'm like, y- you know, but but I would tell people like, not the same way that I could. Yeah, but you're not paying for a haircut. You know, right. you're paying for Patricia.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm
1: saying? Like They're not going to get the
0: same thing.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not the same thing. It's like, what makes... You know, I used to sell, Yeah, you know, I used to sell cars and, and I would train people on how to sell cars and they'd be like, well, how do, you know, you got two of the same cars at different dealerships. How do you sell that? Right? And I'm like, you man. Yeah. They don't, they're not paying for a Honda Civic, man. They're paying for you. Yeah.
0: They're, they're paying, paying for the for
1: experience. That, they're paying for that experience. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if you, if you took, you know, some, some person who didn't care, they would tell you that Roost Chris and Outback tasted the same, but I assure you they don't.
0: <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? And, uh and Roost Chris is just better and they can charge more. And if you don't, and I love it. And I love it because you go to Roost Chris or you go to like the Waldorf or something like that, you know, you go to the Ritz. It's like, sure, you get a bed, but I assure you it's not the same bed. Like I, I, right. I <laughs> you think it is, but I'm telling you it's not. <laughs> and no, it's definitely not. America, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing with your services. It's like, yeah, you, you say it is, but I'm telling you it's not the same.
0: And it's so funny because I do like when I'm like teaching my students in um, my like education course, I always like compare the experience to staying at like a five-star hotel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's different. You know, the first, I remember the first time, um, the first time that I stayed at one and then the first time I took my wife to, my wife and I, we went to a nice hotel. Uh, I, when I was in the, when I was in a certain industry, they would have a lot of conferences that like. You know they had a lot of conferences at the Waldorf or the Montauk, and uh, and that was great. I mean they remembered your name, man. And and you know what was crazy. I learned about the Ritz. I don't know if you knew this, but the Ritz Carlton, I, I didn't know this either. But they don't let their their associates hit the floor and talk to a customer until they've gone through like their three month Ritz training. Oh yeah, like, they don't. You can't even talk to it. You know it's not like oh hey you're working at a hotel there you go. It's like man they take that serious. You know, you can,
0: they want a consistent amazing. experience, yeah, for their yeah. their customers.
1: It's 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 amazing, and when, so you need a Ritz, you need a Ritz Carlton mindset.
0: <laughs> I say that Ritz- all the time.
1: Yeah, it's a. It, they know what true. you want
0: before you even know what you want, and it's already and it, there waiting for you.
1: Yeah, and uh, and not only that, but like you stay at the Ritz, then you go back, they remember you. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they already addressed you by name, but they but then they'll be like, oh, hey, Mister Jensen, welcome back. You know, we know, we, we remembered everything. We got everything ready to go. You know, I remember the first time we stayed at, you know, just like, you know, you remember the first time you stayed at like a, a crappy hotel. They're like, Hey, here's a key. You know, they give you all the, the directions. It's down the hall to the right, go up the elevator, you know, but then I, we stayed at a nice hotel and they're like, uh, hold on, sir. Somebody will be here, grab your bags and they'll escort you to your room and they'll show you around. I was like, Holy cow. man, Not the same. No, I It's don't not care the either. same. <laughs> so is that, and the, I mean, yeah. go ahead. Go and on, the
0: person on. with that cheaper mindset that they can do it for cheaper, <laughs> they don't have the Ritz-Carlton, or the Ritz-Carlton, Um, they don't have that mindset. Yeah. They don't have the Ritz mindset. So um, yeah. they can't deliver that because they've never experienced it for themselves and they don't understand the difference. Yeah. So that's why they yeah. can't compete because they don't have that Ritz mindset.
1: Yeah. When I was, yeah, when I was training sales, salespeople, I would make them go secret shop. You know, I w- I really tried to make them go stay at a hotel. I was like, Hey, listen, before, before we get into this, you need to go stay at like a Ritz Carlton. And if they couldn't afford it, I wasn't really going to push it, but that, but I would make them go secret shop at dealerships that I knew were notoriously or are, you know, dealerships, or I'd make them call in and, and, and send a lead into Um, you know, we were selling software. I'd be like, "Hey, go send a lead to this," and and I knew that they these places were like notoriously bad at like the experience, right? Even though they sold the same thing that we did, and uh, it would change people's minds. I'd be like, "Yeah, would you buy? Would you buy from them?" That was the question I'd ask when they get back, and most of the time it was no. And I was like, "All right, then. Now we can start. (laughs) We we got we got a baseline, you know?" Because I love that it it matters. Yeah, it matters. Yeah, because. Because I like what you said. They've never experienced that. Like, how can you give somebody a Ritz-Carlton experience if you've never had a Ritz-Carlton experience? Mm -hmm. It's true.
0: I Yeah, I do the same thing with uh, the people that um, either are working inside of my business or that come to one of my classes. I tell them to go to a super high-end salon. Just get a blowout. You know what I mean? And see what the experience is like. How are they doing it? Why can they charge what they're charging? And then duplicate that.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Duplicate it. You don't, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, here. <laughs> you know, we don't have yeah. to make this crazy. That's amazing.
0: I, and I think that's the thing too. Everyone's trying to find the next big thing, but when you can find the really good things, refine them and make them better, that's mm-hmm. when you're successful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so Patricia, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up here with, a, and I got, you know, just got a few more questions, but you know, you're, you're, you're going on a lot of podcasts. You're trying to get the word out there with everything going on. Um, And my favorite question to ask is like, what's the biggest message that you're trying to share with people? What, What do you want people to know the most?
0: I think I want people to know that when they truly shift the mindset that they have inside of their business and switch the way that they are running their business from a manager to a an actual leader, cause there's a huge difference. Mm. Um, you can change your life and you can change the lives of others.
1: Yeah. And, and it's true. Like if it's, if you're on your A game, everybody wants to be on their A game when they're around a game people, mm-hmm. you know, like, I want to be like, when you go to the Ritz or you go to Roost Chris, you know, it's a nice restaurant. You, you almost feel a little uncomfortable if you don't dress for the occasion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly you can. And I'm not saying like, if you can't, you know what I mean? But, but, you you know, you go there and you're like, and if you, you know, you want to dress for the occasion, you want to, you want to have enough to give a nice tip. And you just want to do these things because like that, that's just the level that we're playing at right now. And uh, that's great. I, I always that.
0: like to compare it too to like your favorite teachers growing up, like, okay think about like and this goes when you're leading a team and you're trying to run a business and you're trying to get your staff to do what you need them to do mm-hmm. think about like the worst teacher you've ever had and think about your level of work that you actually put into that class how did you act in that class Um, did you really want to participate? Did you do what you were told? Yeah, maybe, but like, you weren't really in it to win it because you really hated the person that was teaching, right? Yeah. yeah, You didn't really give, you weren't really at your best, at your best level. Yeah. I didn't really
1: really care. And I didn't even do my best. Yeah. And then think
0: about the most amazing teacher you've ever had that changed your life. Everyone has that amazing teacher.
1: Yeah.
0: Think about that experience. You always showed up on time. You were always your best. You always did above and beyond because you didn't want to let that teacher down. The teacher never had to ask anyone for anything because there were people always willing to stand up and help that teacher do what they needed to do. Because that's a leader. The leader just needs to be their best and make people feel good and have good structures and have good systems. And then the people just stand up and do what they need to do because they want to be a part of what that teacher's doing it's absolutely. the same thing when you're running a business
1: absolutely you know what's crazy and you know people i found that people want to do things when they know what to do when, yeah. when you said that i was i took that literally you know and i was like what my worst teacher they didn't tell us anything they they mm-hmm. played that game that like like the guest you what figure it out game. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know um and and my best teacher was like hey, this is exactly how this is gonna go this is mm-hmm. exactly what I'm going to do, and this is exactly what I expect you to do. And it was like, okay, there's no questions. And then there, obviously, there's obviously a lot of other things right? we like them. They're charismatic. They, they didn't make they
0: you feel you... like crap if you did something wrong yeah. or if you didn't get something.
1: They, mm-hmm. they made you feel good. You know what I mean? They made mm-hmm. you problem solve and challenge you. Yeah, it was great. Like mm-hmm. there were no wrong answers. There was just there was just learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was great. I love I love that. And uh, it's something that I'm that I'm not going to forget because that's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so I appreciate it, Patricia. I, I really I really love that conversation. So for the people who are, are listening, want to get involved, um, where can they find you? How can they how can they reach out?
0: So if you are interested in coaching, you can visit DestroyTheHairdresser.com and you can request a discovery call and you can talk to our person that is in charge of that and he can get everything set up for you. Um, You can also visit GraceHandTiedMethod.com if you want to start incorporating luxury services inside of your business, if you're a hairstylist. And if you want to deep dive into marketing, social media, and mindset behind running a business with extensions um you can also check out my salon at opulent beauty salon um, on instagram
1: cool well thank you so much i really appreciate you being here and i'll make sure that we put all of that in the in the card so that people know know where to find you
0: awesome thank you so much for having me it was such a fun conversation
1: absolutely